You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. We are in Matthew chapter 6. We're finishing our study going through the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. Church, let's stand together and read God's word. Uh, Every week we seem to be doing this kind of together out loud, and so I would encourage you to read out loud with me. If you don't have a Bible, there's words on the screen, and there are Bibles around in in the chairs in front of you. Verse 9, let's read together. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Church, have a seat. Father, we ask you, use your word to bring change into our lives, to teach us, to correct us, to show us who we are and who you are. We need you, God, for all these things. We pray your spirit would meet us in a powerful way today, continue to meet us in a powerful way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, prayer is... Prayer in its very nature is all about listening. It's about God listening, right? It's about God listening to us, us talking, God listening. And we we live in a in a day and a time where there, there are a lot of things listening to us. Okay, this is kind of becoming a big deal in our world and our homes because we have devices that are constantly on and potentially listening. And, and we have, I mean, I'm wearing a watch right now that is, you know, if I say the right thing, it's going to flip on to start recording what I'm saying. I have devices in my house. We all, many of us have things at home. We have Alexa, we have Google, we have Siri, we have all this stuff that, you know, people are wondering, oh, is it listening to me? Is it not? Only when I cue it on, is it supposed to be recording? And, and we, don't, we don't fully know. And I, I just have kind of taken this position where I just don't really care. <laughs> I, I, I like the stuff and I'm just trying to choose to, choose to believe the best of it all. But I will say it, it, it gets me a little creeped out when I'm having a conversation at home. At least I think this is the way it plays out. We're talking about something, and I, I mentioned, man, I really would, I just want to, I would love to have this. I'm thinking about buying this. And then I open up my computer, and, or I open up Facebook, and there's an advertisement. I'm like, this is a sign, man. I knew it. This is what I've been wanting. And you go, wait, 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 wait. Did I type that in at some point or is someone just absolutely, I mean, whether it's Google or Facebook. And so then I get a little creeped out, but then I get over it quickly because I just buy the thing. And I I say, thank thank you, Facebook, for meeting my needs. Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't, I mean, sometimes I do. I buy it. I may not care that much, but plenty of people care. And (laughs) because of this situation, there has become a whole industry of technology being built, like this, this device right here that was developed by people from, professors from the University of Chicago. So this is called the Bracelet of Silence, which sounds like some 
nerdy uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, piece of equipment that you would, you would put on to fight you know, evil wizards and stuff, but it's actually meant for you to put on and fight the machines. Uh, it, it, you, you push the button and it sends out a signal that scrambles microphones in a short distance. So if you really want to have a private conversation and you're worried about Siri listening or Google or Jeff Bezos or whoever you, you're thinking is listening in, you can hit the button. It's terribly ugly. It's really bulky, but this is like a prototype and they're, they're building, this is becoming a whole new industry of tech that's being designed to help us. One, one article put it, our war against the machines has begun. You know, it's like super, yes, Maria, I know you, you're winning that war. <laughs> no. This is, this is where we're at. It's a, it's a complicated time that we live in. It's a strange time. On the one hand, we, we love new technology. At least some of us do. I do. I find that it, 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 in many ways, it's helping human flourishing. It's helping in a lot of different ways that we, we, we see in some ways that we don't see. But there's also a side to it that is a little bit creepy. And for some, it's, it's just way too much. And for those of us that grew up watching the Terminator, like we know humanity does not do well when the machines, <laughs> when the machines take over. And so what are we to do Who's going to deliver us from this, this evil age? And I don't think these technologies are necessarily evil, but I do know that, and I do believe that evil is real. And I know that the bracelet of silence is not the answer, nor is any other tech that's being designed as good as it might be and as, as it helps us in our health sometimes, as it's monitoring life functions, it still is not the answer to the problem that we have in this world of evil. Now, we've been going through the Lord's Prayer bit by bit, piece by piece, and today we, is the end. We come to the end of the study, and I want to take a second to address one thing before we continue on because we haven't talked about it much. And I know that there are people in here who have been in church for a long time and you've either been taught the Lord's Prayer a certain way, you've seen it, you've recited it with some things that we have not talked about. And I heard some people even today as we were finishing wanting to add on, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I'm sure you've noticed, if you've had any experience with the Lord's Prayer, that it has not come up. It's not in our text, and therefore we haven't put it on the screens and we haven't recited it. Now, this is a much bigger topic than we can handle right here. And one, one day we'll have a separate class. We can talk about the, the, the challenges sometimes of biblical interpretation and things like that. But I just want to give you an understanding that that most scholars would agree at this point that that piece of the prayer, that particular ending, which we would call the doxology, it's this kind of, this wraps up the whole prayer and is kind of an amen, that that probably was not part of Matthew's original book. You know, we have texts, manuscripts of the original languages that are very, very old, and 
most of those old ones, if not all of the oldest ones, don't have that ending in there. And so it, it, probably what happened was that uh, there were Christians that added that piece to the prayer later to give it a, a to, to tie it up nicely at the end, because you can see when it ends, then deliver us from evil. If it felt, it feels abrupt. It feels like it's cut short, and therefore, there at some point was an addition to that prayer with this doxology: "For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Amen." So that's why you don't see it in a lot of the translations and a lot of the texts, like the NIV, the ESV. It's just not there. And you might have been asking, well, where? Where is it? Where did it come from? And again, it's a bigger conversation, but it's fine when we are praying. If, if that's to be added on to the prayer, there's no problem in that. It's fine to say it corporately. It's fine to say it privately. However, as we've been teaching the text of Scripture, that the verses 9 through 13, if it's not in there, then that's why I have not taught it and we have not talked a lot about it. And so that's a, a broad stroke to just give you some context to that. But my hope is, and the whole purpose of this series was to show us, to help us to see how big this prayer is, that it is so much more than just reciting something from memory. It's more than just using the Lord's Prayer as a, as a bit of a lucky charm. To, you know, if I'm in trouble, I'm going to say my Our Father and, and things are going to be better, that, that there's so much happening in this prayer that we need. It's a, it's a framework for how we see life, how we view life, and how we handle and process life. And that's why we've gone through it slowly and have just taken time to talk through, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That, that helps us to understand that we are a family, that, that, that we are children, he is our father, and that we exist in a, in a faith community that's so much bigger, a family that's so important. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that this new community is a, is a kingdom and we're to trust the king, the king who exists. He's not just our father, but he rules over our lives in a way that we submit to. And then we learn how to deal with want and with need by saying, God, give us today the things that we need daily bread. Helps us to process how do we deal with our need, and then also how we deal with shame, how we deal with regret, guilt, by saying, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then we come to this last petition, and we talked a little bit about it last week, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this, this last part is for the fights of life, that when life is a battle, this helps us to understand how to deal with the battles of life. And last week when we talked about temptation, lead us not in temptation, it's a, that temptation is this drawing, drawing away, this luring away from what we're supposed to do, from what God wants us to do. Temptation leads us to go to places that we don't want to go, namely to sin. And we spent time last week talking about the, the nature of temptation, where it comes from, the source. And we said temptation comes from inside and from outside. Temptation comes from inside when we want and we crave and we can't get or don't have what we think we should have. And we're lured, we're tempted to do to, take shortcuts to do things that we should not do in order to 
to satisfy that craving. And that when we say, God, keep me from temptation, lead me not into temptation, we're saying there's a lot going on inside of me. There, there, there's, there's sin happening inside. I'm kind of a mess in here. I want things that I shouldn't want. I want to do things I shouldn't do. God, help me with that. And then today, the final piece, but deliver us from evil. It's, it's, it's filling out the picture. It's saying the same thing, just from a different angle. We're saying, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me, deliver us from evil. This final piece to the prayer is asking God for help. Help when I'm hit from the outside. When the world hits, when life hits. Have you ever been hit? Not just physically, but I mean life hits you. The world hits you. And, and there are times when the only way that we can describe that hitting, the experience that we feel when we are attacked or hit by the world, by life, the only, the only word that can adequately describe it is as evil. There are times when evil hits And this prayer shows us, helps us to see life and understand that life is hard. And I know that is not news to you. It's not news to me. But sometimes it's helpful to be reminded because this prayer shows us, it helps us to understand that life sometimes oftentimes can be hard. And the bookends of this prayer reveal a lot. It starts with, God, you're my father. You're in heaven. You're amazing. You're to be treated as precious, as valuable. And it is a very uh, high spiritual part to that prayer. It's very worshipful. And then we come to the end of the prayer and it's saying, God, yeah, thank God. Thank you that you're my father because as father, I need you. I need your help because I am confronted with temptation and I am confronted with evil all around me. I need your help. So the good news about the prayer is it doesn't deny the fact that, that hardships are around or that evil exists or that temptation's there. No, no, no. It's expected that we are going to confront temptation and evil in this life. And that life is a battle. And I know that many in here, and maybe it's safe to say everyone in here is in a battle. In some way, shape, or form, you are in a battle. And, and on some levels, you're in a battle for your life. You're in a battle for your, maybe your physical life where your health is in jeopardy or you're just feeling like you're not where you want to be in, in health and phys physicality. And so you're, you're fighting for your life. You're in a battle for your life. For some, it's an emotional battle. You are in a fight for your emotional life. Your emotions are, are hanging on by a thread. At any given moment, something can come out that you don't want coming out. For some, it's, it's, it's a mental health fight. Your mental life is in need of restoration, of wholeness, of healing. For some, it's your spiritual life. 
your relationship with your creator, your God is not right and your soul is sick, your spirit is sick. You are not where you want to be and you know it, but you don't know what, what to do. You don't know how to fight to get out of that. Well, that's what we're talking about today because Jesus is teaching us that the way out, the way out of all of this starts with prayer. And whether it's physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, you can, at the least, at any point, you can always begin with prayer and say, God, please help. It's not to pick up the phone to call your best friend or your husband or your kids or your parents. It's not go run away to find a better life. It's not go to the gym. It's not take this or drink this. Step one is to go to your God and say, I need help. See, and it teaches us, this prayer teaches us that, that there's hope in that, that there's hope for our lives, right? Because not, not like fingers crossed kind of hope where I, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but no, real biblical hope, Christian hope, faith-filled hope, hope that God always is the winner over evil, that he is always going to conquer, that he in the end is the winner. And so we pray for God to deliver us from evil, deliver us, like take us from one spot to the next. Evil is there, and I want you taking me far, far, far away from that every single day where to pray for that. And so I think even as we, we start using that term evil, we, we need to talk about this for a second. What do we mean when we even say evil? Because we're, we're all over the place probably, even in this room, when it comes to evil or thinking about what evil even means. Does it, does it even exist? Is evil just something we've used to justify our own actions? Because that's what a lot of people think. Some people think that just believing in evil is the biggest evil you can participate in. There are plenty of articles that would teach that and, and books. Or maybe we just, we see, we believe evil exists, but we reserve evil for like, the really bad stuff, you know. Evil is the really, really, really bad things like the, the Patriots or... I know, you like it when I'm super serious and I throw in those little terrible things? No, I'm just kidding. No, but like we, we see evil as murder, mass murder, genocide. We think of people like Hitler. We think of the, the atrocities that happen in the world and we say, man, that is evil. Or we think of things like sexual assault or even disease can be classified at times in our minds as evil. So what do you believe about evil? Do you think, like, you got, like, the Star Wars theology, right, that there's a light side and a dark side. There's good and there's evil, and they're always going to be at war with each other. You can't really have one without the other. And some days good wins, some days bad wins, but in the end, we're just kind of really hoping that good outweighs the bad. But see, evil isn't the force. It isn't like that. It isn't a random and detached force of nature. And we actually see that in the prayer here, because when Jesus says, Lead, uh, deliver us from evil, it's actually more than that. The, our translations tend to say, deliver us from evil. But if, 
if you really want to translate it better, it's deliver us from the evil one. It says deliver us from the evil, the evil one, the one who is evil. That's a better translation. And so when we pray, we're not just asking for help against evil, but against something more. It shows us that evil is, is more than just a force, but that there is a personal representative of evil, the evil one. And the Bible gives us a name for that evil one, which we see is the devil. Satan. Lucifer was his angel name. And we're not going to spend too much time talking about him, but I do think it's important because here again, I think when we start talking about the devil, we're probably all over the place when we think about the devil. And even now, as I start talking about things like the devil, in some of our minds, we, we, we're thinking all kinds of things. And maybe even to the point of like, well, yeah, we're way past believing in the devil. I am way too sophisticated, way too intellectual to believe in a devil or even fear a devil. I mean, we... we we hear that word and maybe we even laugh a little bit in our, maybe you laughed a little bit even when I said the name. Because sometimes I think we, we think of the devil like this. We think, we think of little red cartoon character with a pitchfork, pointy ears, pointy nose, pointy tail, maybe wings. I mean, I remember, I remember being a kid. I had no faith system, nothing in my heart or mind that understood God, but Looney Tunes helped me, right? I mean, when you watched cartoons, if one character had a really big hammer, it would hit the other character hard enough, and that character would shoot down into the ground and end up in cartoon hell with cartoon devil prancing around. You can take that down. And I remember, like, as a kid, you're just going, oh, yeah, that's super funny. Look at that. They're dancing around, and it's hot, and, you know, then, or they'd get their wings, and then they'd be able to fly up to heaven. We, I, I'm telling you, I know it seems silly, but we sometimes put our minds, get very attached into these images. And so we laugh, and we think, like, ah, oh, man, yeah, cute little red cartoon devil, like, he... That's no big deal. Like, Jesus, that's what you're telling me to be delivered from? And here's the thing. If Jesus is telling us to pray for help here, it must be more than something to be laughed at. We looked at this passage last week. It's from 1 Peter 5 eight, and this is what Peter, this is Peter, okay? Peter, the apostle of apostles, right? I mean, he, the beginning point, he built, God used him to build the church. I mean, this is a guy who walked on water for a few steps with Jesus, living his life with Jesus before, saw him after, and Peter says, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. You have an adversary, you have an enemy, an opponent, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. 
See, what this passage shows, and I want you to keep that up there for a minute, this passage is helpful for us because Peter is not just some kook, some flake, and we think, oh, well, maybe that was a long time ago. Listen, he experienced things that we have not quite experienced in terms of spiritual dynamics. And he says, I want you to be clear-minded about this. And what this shows us, this passage, it shows us that the devil is real, that he's dangerous, right? Look at the words. He's a roaring lion seeking to devour. That word devour means to swallow up. It means to completely, completely destroy. He's real, he's dangerous, and he's smart. He's strategic because what is he doing? He's prowling. Lions are hunters. Lions are smart. Lions are better than us at hunting, at doing what they were created to do. And we want to think, or the world wants to think, or the enemy wants us to think that he's not real, that he's fake, that he's safe, and he's dumb. And that's not true. And that's where we get into trouble. See, the, the evil one's mission is to lead us into temptation, to lead us into sin, to lead us into destruction. It says it right there, he's our adversary, that there is an evil one, a force that is real and that is seeking to cause you harm and trouble. And so here's what he does. See, he prowls around like a roaring lion, but he, he won't look like a roaring lion or a pointy-eared little red cartoon devil. He won't look like that because that would, we'd know, right? You walk outside now, if we walked outside and we saw a lion roaming around in the parking lot, we'd be like, all right, let's go back inside. <laughs> Call Gerardo to go get him. And he would, that's, that's a true statement. It's too easy. See, the, the evil one is going to want to, and this is what temptation does, and we talked a little bit about this last week. They want, it wants us to, make, to, to think, he makes us think sin is beautiful. The Bible describes the evil one as an angel of light, comes not as a roaring lion, that's just how he operates like a roaring lion, but he is disguised and he is cloaked in something else to make it look like sin is good and right. He makes evil look good and makes good look evil. That was what happened in the beginning in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are, are given the world before them and God says, I don't want you to touch this particular fruit and the evil one comes and says, no, 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 listen, that, it's actually not that bad. He's trying to withhold something from you. You need that to really have a life that is valuable. And so what happens? They go, they take, they eat, and then we all have paid the price. And maybe you're like, Adam, this, this is hard for me. This is hard for me to understand. How do I know what's the evil one? How do I know what's going on inside of me? Do I just, every time something bad happens, do I just, you know, shake my fist at the devil and, and, and try to curse him? Or how do I know the difference between all these things? And we, we don't have time to go into all of that. There's, that's not the point of today. The point of today is for us to be, to understand a dynamic that exists in our lives, that, that evil is real, that sin is real, that these things exist and we have, 
The next part of that passage says that after he talks about this roaring lion prowling around, it says this, you need to resist. And that's what we need to understand, that there is a dynamic in our lives where we need to resist. Temptation, we talked about this last week, is not something to just ignore and give into because we get fooled to think, if I do this, no one will know. I can get away with it. It will make me happy. God wants this. We start to, to self-deceive and make excuses and say, this is okay when it is not. And God cares how we live. And we, and we, we can sit here and say, Adam, man, this is heavy. It seems hopeless. Like, you, you know, all you've talked about is how hard life is. But and how full of temptation. But look, there is good news. And the prayer exists as part of that good news that we can go to God and say, would you help? And the reason we can do that is because Christ has already won. See, he's, he's beaten the evil one. The evil one is mortally wounded when Christ came, went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins. He put a, a fatal blow to the head of the evil one so that in the end, we have hope and have life in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you have victory over the evil one. And you are not a slave to the temptations or the schemes of the evil one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But here's the thing. The evil one is still dangerous because he still has some capacity to roam and exist on this earth in our lives. And so we have to be aware that this is happening and we are to resist. And I want to give you some, some thoughts and some tools in the fight to fight against sin and temptation and evil. You see, Paul tells us in Colossians 1 that, that we have been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So look, that word delivered, same word, right? We have been delivered. So that, you're saying, well, why then do I pray for continual delivering because there is a reality that we have been delivered, we are being delivered, and we will be fully delivered one day. See, we, the, 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 the power of sin has been broken through Christ, but the presence of it still remains, and we battle with that every single day that in us there is sin that lives and that wants often opposition to what God wants. And so we are to go to God every day and ask him to deliver us from evil. Evil can't take us away from Christ. If we've been saved by Christ, it can't take us away from Christ, but it can bring serious consequences in our lives. And so we want to ask ourselves, how do I participate in this evil fighting day in and day out? Much of the answer has to do with what we've been doing today. 
See, when it says that we've been transferred into another kingdom, that kingdom is, is God's kingdom. And we even prayed in the Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come. We are a part of God's kingdom that we have been delivered into. And the visible representation of that kingdom is right here. It's the church. That's why we did the membership stuff today. That's why we will continue to do that. That's why we'll continue to push you to say, you need to be here on Sundays. You need to not just be casual, but you need to be a part of what's going on. And if it's not here, that's okay. Somewhere, but not at home, not by yourself, with other people. Look at what the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, that we're to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet as the habit of some, but encouraging one another as all the more as you see the day drawing near. That day is the end. Like we're on short time. God wants us to live in community with one another. And so when we start thinking about how we engage in the fight, that this delivery type of activity, this is a huge piece to it. So I just want to give you three things to think about. Three little A words, okay? Stay alert. Stay active. And stay accountable. Stay alert, stay active, and stay accountable. Look, Peter told us, we talk about being alert. Peter told us that we need to be watchful. We need to watch, be sober-minded. That's alert. We need to be alert that evil's real, that it, that it can hurt us, it can attack us, and we want to be on guard. And one of the ways that we do that, even as the author of Hebrews says, I want you to consider how to live this life. That's, he, he's saying, I want you to think. I want you to take a step back, pay attention. It's an activity of alertness, of being aware. And you stay alert by hearing God's word, by knowing God's word, by being around God's people. It's one of the greatest tools in the fight against temptation and evil. And I know, man, I know it is imperfect. We are, we are an imperfect bunch on earth and even here at New Covenant. But man, we can't throw out the need for the church just because there has been hurt and pain that has existed in other settings. We can't let our guard down. We need to stay active. We need to stay alert and aware. When, it's, when I say stay active, I'm saying you, this is, Hebrews tells us that we're to consider how to stir one another up. It's an active faith where we are engaging in life with people. We're considering, we're stirring one another up. We're encouraging. We're not just worrying about my own problems. We're meeting together. We're going to church. We're involved in small groups. Like we, we're, we're, we're staying active in the fight. Because the moment we get passive, it's like being in a lazy river, right? A lazy river doesn't look like much, but if you just lay down in the lazy river at a water park or something like that, or a real river, it just, you will go with the current, man. If you're not active, you will flow away from the things that are most important. And finally, stay accountable. You need other people in your life for this fight. You need connectivity. You need pushing in growth with others, not by yourself. Isolation breeds deception. 
Isolation breeds deception. The more we get alone with our own thoughts and minds, the narrative starts to play and we start to go down all kinds of bad paths. And I'm telling you, that is where the evil one will attack most and temptation will come in. We need one another. We need to help one another. You need others and they need you because here's what sin does. Sin blinds us and then we can't see clearly, but other people around us can see clearly and they can point it out and say, hey man, you're, I'm, I'm concerned for, your, for you. Can I help? And you can do the same for others. That's why we do church membership. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do all the stuff that we do because it's that important. And if you've not taken that first step of faith to trust Christ, I wanna invite you to trust him today, to put your faith in him, not in the people around you, not in me, in him, the one who we go to to say, deliver me, deliver us from evil. And all you have to do is call out and say, God, would you forgive me my sins? I need you. I trust you.